I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Millsborough podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsborough Football Club. Before we start this week, guys, I just want to thank T and Darley. Um, it could be Dwight, we don't know. Um, but T and Darley and Martin Borough for the comments on our podcasts. Uh, we really do appreciate the kind words. So if, if you haven't already, uh, give us a comment. Uh, or share the podcast, or rate it on Apple Podcasts, or any podcast provider, um, because we just love to know what you think of the podcasts and see if we could potentially improve them, or what you like about them as well. Um, but let's chat about the Borough guys. And, well, yesterday, Borough put in a performance that was very hard to love, um, with a 2-1 defeat at Pride Park to Wayne Rooney's Derby County, which sees Borough slip into eighth of the championship table uh, with seven defeats in ten. Um, Dana... Borough did the best impression of Shrove Tuesday yesterday. Uh, I thought they were very flat, to say the least, flat as a pancake. Um, how would you assess Borough's performance yesterday? Where did it all go wrong? I think we just got caught cold by Derby's switch to a four-four-two. Um, they typically play with a, a you know a lone striker. This season, it's been either Colin Kazim Richards or. Uh, Martin Waghorn and they switched it and they complimented Kazim Richards with Lee Gregory and it worked a treat for them to be fair and we just didn't have an answer to it I don't think we were able to deal with them um, and they had much more zip and energy and just a clear game plan that quite clearly thwarted our man-to-man marking system um, and when Rooney said it after the game that he basically just tried to go along to eliminate that, um, to eliminate the man-to-man marking, and it just—it was just a, a really bad game for Borough. We were very poor in possession. I don't think we re- really retained the ball for more than thirty seconds in midfield, and um, it was just—it was—it was very, very poor and very disappointing. And particularly this, the second half as well, because when you get that goal back, which let's be honest, we didn't deserve it. The the performance that we put in in the first half, we didn't really deserve a goal. I think Derby deserved to go in two 0 up. Uh, but we gave ourselves a lifeline with that goal that Cabano scored and then you're thinking, right, kick on. And we never did that in the second half. And yeah, really, really disappointed in them yesterday because I thought that we would come out and maybe take the shackles off um, in the second 45 and we never did that. That we had our first corner in the 87th minute, which it, it, it it's pretty bad. So yeah, it was a, a really, really bad performance from Borough and we got exactly what we deserved from the game, which was absolutely nothing. Yeah, I would fully agree with you, Dinner. Uh, I thought Wayne Rooney's tactics were absolutely spot on and on the money uh, yesterday. It really stifled Borough's play and made it th- made things really difficult for Borough to to get you know to get going. Really, uh, we had a lot of possession. We didn't do much with it. Um, but Tom Neil Warnock said that it was the the start of the season uh, in the last couple, over the last couple of weeks. That this this was the game that Borough was starting to click again. Um, but we enjoyed a, a fair share of possession yesterday, fifty nine percent. Uh, of the ball, but we only created two shots on target. Um, and if I'm honest with you, I thought we looked really blunt going forward. Uh, I just didn't think we had anything about us. Um, I think we were very fortunate to score. I think Dan alluded to it there. Um, 
And also, I've alluded to it there, but do you think Rooney's tactics of, of being more compact, playing it long, it just stifled Borough's play going forward? Well, I will say if that was the start of the season, like I, I really hope it's not because that was terrible yesterday. Um, I, I think, yeah, he, he did absolutely nullify us yesterday with, with the, the game plan. But I also think we don't didn't give ourselves a chance in, in the first half particularly. It's interesting that we had more of the ball, but I'd be interested to hear how much of that was in the second half because for me in the first half, we just... We, we played a certain way against Brentford last week and I was excited to kind of see us play that way again. But it just seemed to be long ball after long ball and we just kind of lacked any ideas going forward. Um, yesterday, I, I didn't think uh, Watmore, Cabano or Asombolonga uh, were seeing too much of the ball. It seemed, seems like we were getting it in defence and just hoofing it along and hoping Asombolonga had grown six inches to be taller than their centre-backs in the time that we it, it took for the ball to come down. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we give ourselves a chance in the uh, in the first half, and Derby punished us for that. And then in the second half, I, from what I remember, we we did seem to have a bit more of the ball. Our pressing seemed to be a bit better. It kind of seemed like after the first goal, where Baller had stepped up to make the interception, we kind of realised that's how we normally play and that's how it works for us. Um, <clears throat> But even even so, they already had the lead in the the second half, and they protected it well. Um, they didn't really kind of have to do a lot. They just kind of stifled us, and we didn't have any any ideas going forward. They had thirty eight percent possession in the second half, and uh, I think we in the second half we had two shots, and only one of them was actually on goal. The other one was blocked, and like I said, we had our first corner kick in the eighty seventh minute. So, um, at I would say our second half was just as bad as the first, to be honest. You know, we didn't put them under any pressure. It seemed to me yesterday that when, in in the second half, they were quite happy to let us kind of take it out wide and fire crosses into the box because I can't can't remember how many times it seemed like every every few minutes Andre Wisdom was cutting out across across the floor or a very low cross diving header clear. So it seemed like that they were happy to let us do that. Yeah, it comes back down to quality as well, doesn't it? I think with when you, when you look at the play yesterday and we're trying to get the ball out wide and into the box, you could I think there's a there's a photo circling around. I think I'll try and find it. But there's a photo of there's about eight derby players in the box, and obviously the keeper as well. So if you want to play nine, um, then there's only two Borough players in there. Um, so unless we're incredibly accurate at crossing, um, and our defend and our strikers are going to gamble in those areas. It's absolutely pointless for us trying to play through that. Um, we just didn't do enough with it. I thought the play was too slow, Tom. I think you, I think you're absolutely right. There was there was no zip to our play. We we made things difficult for ourselves, and you know what? We made ourselves prone to the counter attack. I think it's just it. The thing is, of us when we try and gamble a little bit and put a stuck in, stick another body forward, we don't have the movement there. It, it's quite obvious that we're not creative enough either. Um, and it's, I think it's a ball that we've lost Balassi now for for a few weeks as well. So. It's, it's, it's quite difficult for Borough creatively um, and it's been a problem for, for not just this season, it's been a problem for, for many seasons really. We've got that. We've always been a defensive first team and it's very hard for us to, to transition into a more of attacking side. Um, it doesn't happen overnight and it's just changing that mentality over. Um, but again, it, I think it was really difficult for us yesterday and, I, and I, I agree with the Perrys. I don't think we deserved anything from the game at all. Um, I thought we were, were very, very poor and the form is quite worrying but we'll come on to that in a, in a second. But Dana, uh, Nikans Cabano yesterday um, he seemed for me only seemed really the only bright spark that Bora had uh, going forward and he did score his first Bora goal now and now it's 2-2 two and two in terms of goal involvement as well so am I kind of right to say that he was probably the best of a bad, a bad bunch yesterday yeah I mean he was okay but in that in that team okay is, was good um, there were so many flat performances but um, yeah, Cabano obviously scored. Um, he put on Instagram earlier today that goal in his, uh, sorry, assist his first game, goal in his second. Hopefully, there's a win in the third. I mean, we all hope that, but he was he was good. I think there's promise in him. I like what he brings. You know, he's direct. He wants to create. He wants to make things happen, which is good. He's a, a genuine wide player um, that can also play in number ten position. So I think his versatility is good as well. But yeah, he had, he had a good game yesterday. He was probably the like, like you said, the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, um, but the defeat yesterday leaves Borough 23rd in the farm table uh, below Ike Crankers, Birmingham City. 
Um, and and Karanka seems to be on the edge of his job there um, in, when they've moved on to 23rd in the table too. But Middlesbrough have one win in seven, Dana. Um, four, scored four in the last uh, seven, uh, conceding 12 in that time. Simple question, what's changed really? Because this team pre-Christmas really positive, hard to break down, you know, they were starting to snatch games and they were very hard work inside. Um since the new year since the new year fireworks have came in, Borough seemed to, to fizzle out of in this so what what's what's changed? I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. We've just fizzled out and we we've completely run out of steam and in fairness I feel like it was always going to happen. The games have caught up with us, injuries have caught up with us and consequently the results have caught up with us as well. We have been punching above our weight maybe a, a little bit. I do th- think though we we were where we were um and are where we have been on merit but based on last season I mean I don't think anybody expected us to even be within a reckoning of the playoff places so with that in mind you could say we have been punching above our weight but injuries were always going to come back and and bite Borough it was always going to be a season where I think muscle injuries were going to be um quite frequent and just injuries in general were going to be um coming up a lot and unfortunately for Borough it's hit some important players you know Dale Fry's out injured at the moment and he's been in and out of the side with injury of late Marcus Tavernier has been a massive miss and I think that was um, made abundantly clear at the <laughs> the first game that he was out and then Fletcher's been out injured as well Housen was out for a period of time you know it's Dyke Steele as well Dyke Steele's been out injured and I, I actually don't think Dyke Steele's been the same since his injury at Huddersfield so there's been a lot of injuries that have, have caught up with Borough and their form has as well and um, Elliot would say, you know, reverting back to the mean. And I think that's probably the case, that this was probably always going to happen and we were always going to run out of steam at, at some point. But I think that's what's changed. You know, we've had injuries. Um, the momentum of the team has been thwarted as a result of that. So I think it's it's just been a case of, unfortunately, we have um, just completely fizzled out. And um, that, I mean, it, we're still in a good position. Um, you know, don't don't get me wrong. We're still within reach of the playoffs, so it's still numerically possible. Although I think, given our form and the general bigger picture, it's probably not something that we should expect now. Um, but yeah, we have just fizzled out, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I think it's it's spot on uh, what, what you're saying, Dana. But I think with 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 the with the championship, anything can happen, can it? Look at Cardiff. I think they've won four, three out of the last four, and then they've went from like fifteenth to to seventh, and it's just crazy that like this that this division can do that to you, and one one good run of form can change your season, and Borough can still do that as well. Um, oh, but yeah. Tom, just to just to continue with the day, and this is quite quite uh, quite dark, I would say, uh, pretty devastating um, in terms of stats in front of me, but I've got. In the last 20 games, oh, by the way, shout out to Danny uh, Bimop, I was the first time in, by the way. Um, it's, uh, in the last 20 games, Borough have lost 11 of those. They've drawn two and won seven. They've lost seven out of the last 10, and they've lost four, uh, out, they lost four out of five against the bottom five. Um, it's devastating stats, really, when you, when you look at it in that perspective, of course. Um, and obviously, you've got to take your emotion out of it to, to really uh, appreciate the data. Um, but a similar question to what I mentioned at the end of there, Tom. What's, what's going on? Do you think, think Borough have been found out a little bit? I think it is more the kind of uh, fizzling out, as, as Dana said. I mean, it's a surprise to me because I would have expected to see that kind of sooner in the season. Um I think if if tiredness was going to take an effect, I thought it would have been over that point where we had about what, twenty games in two weeks or whatever it was. We were playing like every other every other day, um, but yeah, I, I said on the um, when I went on the Derby podcast the other day, um, I said usually it's like a typical borough to kind of drop off in January and then pick back up. We didn't realise that last year because that was terrible overall, and obviously with with the the peerless years, I think everyone was just a bit too uh, depressed to to even care about it with the style of football we were playing. But um, yeah, I was really hoping that that typical Borough thing would would come back. I mean, I think it was after the Norwich game, Warnock had said, "Oh, I seem to do well in February, so we should be on on track for then." And even even the Brentford match had some encouraging signs last week, but. Yeah, I think that that game yesterday was a, a big letdown. Um, I think at, at this point of the season, 
this is the point where on football manager you'd be going right team meet and get everyone in raise the morale and stuff so it, it's it's got to be like uh <laughs> Neil Neil Warnock's got to kind of show his, his man management here and kind of lift the lift the spirits, I think, and kind of re-energise people, get the the second win going for the the running of the season. Yeah, to do that, mate. Do you think maybe we should maybe Warnock should look to to move to three at the back? Maybe you know, maybe, we we did look quite positive there at the start of the season. We are we are trying to play our four with three one quite a lot now, or four three three. But do you think uh, Borough look a little bit more better with, with with three at the back? Do you think that's probably the way to go? I think we looked more comfortable like that, but personally, I don't want to see it. Um, the the reason being, when when Warnock came in, he came, he came and said he prefers to play four three three. We saw that at Cardiff. He didn't have the players to do it. Fair enough. Um, he's kind of been forced into playing three slash five at the back um, a, a fair few times since he's came in. We do have the players to play it now, and I think if Warnock stays here next season, I'd prefer it that we kind of still have some of that tactical familiarity built up I wouldn't want to kind of see us take a step forward towards 4-3-3 three, three with getting these new players then take two steps back and go like, right we're more comfortable in this formation I'd rather we just kind of learned how to play it I know you said earlier with um, respect to we find it quite hard to transition to being more of an attacking team it might be a kind of painful process to, to go through, but I'd rather in the long run we learned how to play that formation properly, defend properly in that formation and, and actually get it working. Um, so if he is here next season and we, we've got the same kind of players that we can play a 4-3-3, make us a bit more of a, a force going forward. I think um, he, he said when he came in, the problem for the last five years or so with Borough is not being scoring enough goals. So that, that formation's probably the the better chance of doing that uh, in comparison to a 5-3-2 or 5-4-1 or whatever we want to play with with five at the back. See, I would play yeah. I would play 3-5-2. Uh, I do disagree with that. I think we've we've played 3-5-2 nine times this season. Um we've lost once and that was the Watford game at the start of the season. I've got a, a few things about the, the formations in my Twitter drafts which I'll post later but um I I just feel as though the 3-5-2 Although not the the perfect formation, and we'll we'll still have our problems there. I think it's it's more in terms of personnel, um, more so than and and form of individuals. Um, that's the one that strikes the most balance, I think, of of the team that Warnock has. And we've got ball playing centre backs, we've got ball playing defenders. You've got Dyke Steele that's comfortable in possession. You've got Paddy McNair bringing the ball out in midfield. Um, you know, earlier this season, and that was actually sort of a, a little bit of an additional threat. Because the strikers aren't going to pick up Paddy Mayner, they're not going to mark him, they're not going to stop him from affecting the play from deep. So essentially, he's a deep lying playmaker when he moves into midfield from defence. And 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 we we highlighted that earlier on this season on the podcast. Um, Fry, I think, has has got that blend of being a no nonsense, old fashioned centre half. You know, put your head in where it hurts. And then he's also pretty decent on the ball. And then Grant Hall as well. We always forget about Grant Hall, but when he signed. Um, he, he mentioned a few times that he's good or he feels comfortable on the ball. So defensively, I think we've got the players for it. With Balassi and, and Marcus Brown now out injured, you know, we've still got, you know, wing backs essentially. Um, Marvin Johnson, I think, has been unlucky to not be in the side. You know, he was, he might still be our top assister. Certainly he was our top goal scorer at one point. Um, you know, so I think we've, we've got the players for it there. Um, midfield is a problem at the moment. It needs to be addressed. And then up front, you, know, you can play anybody up front. They're always going to struggle, especially in that lone striker role because we just don't really give them the tools to be able to thrive. Whereas when we play with a 3-5-2, I think Atpom is not a lone striker. He needs to be playing off somebody. Um, so bringing that back would allow him to thrive. And I think it would be better for Britt and Fletcher as well to get the best out of them. And um, Percy, I think the 3-5-2... Like I said, it's not a perfect formation, but it's the one that I think suits us the best. There's the, There will be question marks over Cabano, but he can play across the front line. So I suppose you could drop him into a number 10 position if you want to adjust the midfielders. Um, but I would go with a 3-5-2. Does it, does it matter? Does it matter what formation you play? Just, it, just, just, okay, because yeah. I think if, if, if I know we, we say we want to have certain styles and we want to play three at the back or four at the back or five, play two at the back you can do whatever you want really um does it does it matter what what formation you you, you try and play really because if if you played say played eight two right 
You put eight at the back and two up front, but you won every single game. <laughs> Does it matter? Because you're still you're winning the football match. You know what I mean? I think. Uh, I, I, I was just interested from your points there. Does it does yeah. it really matter what what type of system or style you play? Is it just mainly about getting results in this game? I think you, you do have question, to. Obviously. Yeah, I think you do have to look at the squad and, and see what needs to be changed. We are in a rut at the moment, and we need to get out. So we need to look for what um, would sort of contribute into an upturn in form. And for me, at the moment, the the, the four three three four two three one, whatever you want it call it um isn't working for us and especially missing tav um that is is a big part of the reason why we're struggling at the moment and i I get i get your point i think it shouldn't really matter because personnel should be able to deliver on a football pitch anyway and it's still um it goes back to the argument or or goes towards the argument of the depth as well and when (coughs) players have dropped out or they have injuries the players that step up should be able to perform as well so it shouldn't matter but it does because you've got to look at the squad and address the options and see what's best and what suits it and for me I think what suits the squad is a 3-5-2 and I know some people don't like it but you know we had that really great run at the start of the season with it and then you know that I think at the 43-1 um, looking at the formations is technically it's brought about the most wins for us but for me 3-5-2 um, is a formation that I would like to see us change to, at least for the, the time being, to try and change our form around. Yeah, it's interesting. I think different formations bring different 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 pros and cons, really, don't it? You know what I mean? So I think with, with a 3-5-2, I think you are more fluent from, from defence to attack because you know you can, you can create different angles and it probably suits Borough's long ball game more than what a 4-2-3-1 would. Uh, I think with what we're trying to play at the minute is we're hoofing the ball along, we're hoping that Brit it sticks to him, but it doesn't even go to Brit half the time. And then we try and win the second and third ball, but we're not even doing that. So then when that happens, we're losing the transition straight away. And then when we try to put more bodies forward, then we're more prone to the counter-attack. Um, I think with, with Wayne Rooney yesterday, I think he just thought, you know what? Bollocks to what you want to do. We'll just sit deep. And when, when we're sitting deep, He's not going to win the ball, and we'll just counterattack you with the wings, and we'll mm. try and get fouls further up the pitch, and we'll just try and play from that way. And it just just completely and utterly stifled us, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I think um, when you you know the fact that we don't have Tav in that transition and moving forward up the pitch, we can't play central. You know, George Savile is you know a box to box player, but he's not the type that will influence the game. Um, as a link between the midfield to the attack. So I think we have to work it out wide and, and that's why the three five two would be good because you get the wing play involved. And in fairness, Borough aren't a side that are great in central areas anyway, at, um, attacking in through the middle because we just don't have... Um, I, I feel like you need a really, really good number 10 for that. And we just don't have that. We don't have the the quality in the middle, so we need to work it out wide. And to be fair, we don't have the quality out wide either because our crossing is so inconsistent that it's become consistent, um, and and that's an issue. But I, I still think that we have to work it out wide. And three five two would be good for that. Yeah, I think with, with yesterday, uh, I thought when you play Morsey, House, and, and Savile in the same midfield, they're very similar footballers. Um, and they do similar jobs. And they used to try to do some of the jobs. I thought we were never going to create out yesterday, um, which was a shame, really. But it just, it just didn't seem like we were going to create anything. And if I'm honest, there I said I thought we looked better early in the season without Housen in the team for a while because it allowed Morsey to do his role um, and give us more emphasis going forward. And you know, it, it, I don't, I'm not saying like drop Johnny Housen because he's been probably one of Borough's best players this year, or if the best player in, in the northeast, which he was given that award for. Um, but I think you have to go. You either play Houston or you play Morsey, yeah. um, if you want to play the current system that I want to play. It's one or, one or the other. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't it's just my personal preference. I don't think you can play all both of them together. Um, too similar. But Tom Dan has mentioned it a couple of times there. Um, we got a question from Fahim Majid, and he, Fahim says, um, "Why do we have? Why do why do we need Fry and Tav to win games? Do you think we have like an, an over reliance on these on these type of players?" Yeah, and I think that's kind of worrying. Um, definitely something I'd hope to see addressed in, in the summer because I didn't realise how much we relied on Fry in particular until he's been out injured recently. Um, I, I don't... 
I thought we looked a little bit better with, with Grant Hall being at the back there, but if you look at both our centre-backs, neither of them are, I, identify themselves as centre-backs. I think Dykstra was a defensive midfielder, then got switched to a right-back, but he is kind of more comfortable in central areas. McNair might have started as a centre-back um, at United through their academy, I think, and then he's switched between there and midfield quite a lot in his career. Grant Hall's the only one out of the three of them, who is an out-and-out centre-back. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see kind of going forward how Hall and Fry might do as a, a centre-back pairing because um, they're both kind of natural centre-backs and they're, they're both good in the air. Um, Tav, I think, to to a, a lesser extent, but we, we still do miss him. I think... Now that we've brought in the creative players on the wings in January, hopefully that'll be a bit more lessened going forwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, when he was on top form as the, the championship eye in Robin earlier in the season, cutting inside <laughs> and pinging him in with his, uh, his left foot, and then suddenly goes missing for a game or two, like, we do miss that. Um, he is comfortable on the ball and, and can create chances... Um, not necessarily through crosses down that right-hand side, but maybe from cutting inside, leaving the overlap for uh, the right-back or right-wing-back, whatever we're playing. And he can he can kind of spot that ball where I, I don't think we've we've had that with some other, other players who've tried to play there. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely spot on. Uh, I think I think I think we have it. Uh, I, think we, I think we do miss him quite a lot. To be honest, and it's uh, it's quite difficult for us to you know to re- to replace him at this time, but. You know, that's why we brought in the players in January to hopefully fill the void of that. And it, it, it's been a little bit slow, but it's only been a couple of games. So there's plenty of plenty of football to be playing to the end of the season. But I want to move on, guys. And we've got quite a few questions this week. Um, and I'm going to start with the first one. Then It's interesting how a lot of these questions are worded um, and the way the fans are perceiving the season at the moment. Uh, but Jake, uh, Jake Viley uh, tweeted us and he said, assuming we don't make the playoffs, um, what does Borough need to do next season? Is it as simple as strengthening and having more depth, or do you feel there's a lot more to it? Is the man marking and attacking the counter the best route for success in the current game? So it's a two-parter. Um, of course, uh, what do you think Borough need to do for next season? I think there's more to it in terms of like strength and depth. But then also, is the man marking attacking the count- attacking on, on the counter the best route for success? Um, I think we need to find that balance between uh, quality and quantity. There's no denying that Borough have fallen victim of a, a thin squad this season. That doesn't mean go gung-ho in the transfer market and pick up loads of players like I would on a FIFA road to glory. But we need to bring <laughs> we need to bring in players that you know, I'd love to see. Um, you know, Karanka's famed uh, two players per, uh, per position come back in because I think it breeds competition. I think players know that if they have a... Uh, if they drop a far out of ten, that they'll they'll be replaced. Essentially, you know, we had it with John Rose, David Nugent, Kike. You know, we had that um, competition Jason there. Rose. J- Jason Rose, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Kike solid. Don't forget him, the fake Kike though. Um, but yeah, I think we we bring that bring back that system, um, and I think the man marking uh, strategy is is fine. But I want to see us use the ball more effectively and off the ball movement I think needs to be improved as well we're just always so static and particularly in the box we've we've spoken about it a few times this season about crosses and and gambling and strikers not doing that I think off the ball movement needs to be improved I just want to see us take risks I know it compromises the the rigid shape in midfield and maybe um, makes us susceptible to opposition teams exploiting those gaps in behind but um, you know, we just don't take risks and I'm trying to think now the last Borough team that did, it's always defensive first, which is fine. And I mean, to be honest, I would probably whinge if, if it was any different, but um, I just want us to, I just want to see us take risks sometimes and, you know, uh, attacking has always been a problem <clears> for us. And I thought last season when Neil Warnock came in that he would sort it out, that surely we've got some sort of footballing god here that <laughs> that can sort us out and, and break the curse, but it just hasn't happened. And and that that's the thing. I just want to see us be a little bit more positive sometimes and um, maybe bring in a bloody crossing coach for both sides of it, for the crossing and for the finishing, because we just don't gamble. And then... Um, sometimes the crosses just aren't good enough, the quality of them. So I think the man-marking system's fine. 
counterattack's fine. I just would like to see us use the ball better and be better as well off off the ball and out of possession. Yeah, I mean, the the intent and the drive going forward, trying to play off the striker and really commit bodies, I think that's what every fan wants to see, really, that that real hard, aggressive uh, style of football, which everyone tends to love, and that high press as well, which is becoming a real factor in the game now, uh, especially in the Premier League, uh, which is a completely different kettle of fish to the Championship. Um, it's very difficult to play that type of game for 46 games, plus the, the pre-season and the... Uh, and the cup games as well but Tom Dan alluded to it there a little bit about round gambling in the box um, and that can maybe come back down to attitude and players you know wanting to you know gamble and try and make the most out of everything on the pitch um, and Charlie sent us a question um, and he says it seems we have lost the attitude of being the hardest working team uh, do you agree and is it time for Neil Warnock to stop finding ways to defend the players because I appreciate he's, he, he does love a, a referee blame <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I do think there there has been a loss in in the the attitude of, of working harder. I definitely noticed that the the work rate has been lower. That could tie back into what we talked about earlier, though, of uh, kind of fizzling out and maybe the players being burnt out. And I think that ties into what Dan has just said there about having uh, such a thin squad as well. Players are going to have to play through through the tiredness. Um, you know. They might be playing at around you know seventy percent for for some games because uh, we don't have anyone else who can step into those positions and and give hundred percent. So I think that's potentially a reason. Uh, Warnock potentially knows that, and that's why he's defending players a little bit more. I've, I think, in in fairness, there have been some games recently where the referees have made a, a massive impact on the game. Blackburn being the main one. Um, but it's, it's easy to kind of forget there that we've had two games where there has also been two sending off for, for the other team in, in Forest and uh, Norwich as well. Um, what I didn't like to see over the last couple of games, though, was uh, one saying kind of if we had the other team striker, uh, we'd have won that. So I know you said that yesterday with Kazim Richards, who I think the, the Gazette said we made him look like Ibrahimovic yesterday. And I think that's absolutely right I don't think he was that strike aside which was obviously fantastic um, I don't think he was that great yesterday I think we we've made him and I can't remember which other striker it was who Ivan Tony like last week that was it I mean <laughs> there's not a lot you can do against Ivan Tony but we, we definitely made Kazem Richards look a lot better than he was yesterday because our centre-backs just weren't dealing with him I think both goals were were preventable and I think the second goal kind of really um, really highlighted us how we weren't working as hard because it, it, it was a ball across three or four of our players which ended up going to the guy before Kazem Richards um, I, I can't remember who assisted us but it, it was just too slow our, our defending that's, that's a prime example of the, the work rate decreasing I think and it came from our bloody throw in I was watching a I was watching a video with um, the fans were talking to Sam Morsey, and one of the fans said, "Are we going to sort our throw-ins out?" And I was thinking, actually, yeah, we do have we do we do seem to have a problem with throw-ins. And it was our throw-in, and Johnny Housen sort of loops a ball into the box. David Marshall claws it out, ball over to the the defenders, ball over the top, and that's where it comes from. And it was just, I mean, from our throw-in, that is it. It's poor. I think we need to wait for Ryan Shotton to retire and get him in as a throwing coach. <laughs> Bring in Rory Della. Yeah. I think he's already working for someone. Is it? Is he working? Isn't he working for Derby? I'm sure he was at Derby at some point. Oh. I'm going to oh, go. But there that. is like there is like a lot more specialist coaches coming into the game. If you look at Brentford, they've got like a free kick specialist, a, a throwing specialist, uh, like sorry, a set player specialist, specialist. And uh, it's very interesting that we are going down these niche routes. And I feel like these niche, these niche, niche these sorry, these niche coaches uh, should go towards the, the the head coach and be like, look, this is my report on X, Y, and Z. Do whatever, do whatever you want with it. Uh, but it's interesting, Tom, that you mentioned around um, around around Warnock um, and obviously the, the blaming of the officials and, and stuff like that. And I think it comes back to like false fault versus responsibility. Really, I think like. We, we, we've we've borrowed it's more of a case of like the choices have been made and that's the fault of it you know like safer players made a mistake but I feel like it's Warnock's responsibility to to amend those and I feel like sometimes he shifts the blame so much on different things 
that he's not taking responsibility for what what's been happening on the pitch. You know what I mean? It's always that external factor. It's never. It's always that external factor of the press. It's never like that. Yeah, you know what? We got our tactics wrong today. Hands off. Yep. Hands up. Yep. You know we got we got it wrong. We'll learn from that, and you take it to the next game. You know what I mean? I kind of I would like to see that approach, and I like. I'd hope he does that on the training ground as well. But comes back to that fault, fault versus responsibility. It's, it's it's not. It's like it could be a player's fault that we made a mistake or. It could be Boris' fault that we're not in a, a, a place for a good transition, or you know what I mean. But it's his responsibility to should, should to be like, you know, we're not doing the right things. We need to put this right. You know what I mean? I think so. He has to, he should take responsibility to, to to some extent, of course. But I suppose we question... don't know what goes on behind closed doors, though. Like he might say yeah. one thing to the press and kind of highlight yeah. that to, to the player on the training ground first day back, like you've got that wrong in the last game you need to sort that out there's only so many referees left i can blame so yeah well it's 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 his responsibility it's his responsibility to do it though isn't it like you know what i mean like he should be fixing that he's he's the manager um but i I hope he i hope he does that i hope he doesn't like take the team after like on a on a monday you know and goes right lads crap refereeing decision on saturday but you know what this week we're just gonna do the exact same thing all over again and hope for something better um because that would just drive me insane um but i hope he doesn't do that but we've got another question as well tom uh and it's from one of my favorite accounts of borrowed again um just for the name which i absolutely love it because we surely are or we're always at it again um but he said, surely Brit is leaving at the end of the season and our other options aren't performing either. And he's, I'm assuming he means Fletcher, Akpom and, and Watmore. Um, so would you, so who should we be looking at to come in and be the striker who can thrive in this team? Uh, given that we've had many strikers over the years and not many of them have, have, have overly succeeded, um, it could be a difficult one. But who, who should Borough be looking at to come in and thrive in this team? Or is there something more to it? Um, I, I definitely think we need to be looking at, at more strikers. I think that's right. I think it probably will be off at the end of the season. And I hope Fletcher can stay. Um, obviously, Warnock said they both need to take pay cuts to stay, so that's completely up to him, I suppose. Um, Akpom, as we mentioned earlier, he, he benefits more to kind of like link up with, with another player and kind of play across the floor. He's not really a hold-up striker. I'd like to see us bring in a kind of bigger striker who can win headers and hold up the ball. Um, I, I suppose that's what uh, Neil Bowers had kind of wished Rudy just was when we signed him in the in the Premier League. But um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, just off the top of my head, looking at what Derby did yesterday, Lee Gregory, probably a, a good example of this, like, proven championship striker gets in uh, positions to win headers can hold up the ball I think we'd need him and well not necessarily him but like a striker in that mould and and one other Um, because I I think if if we are going two players for every position for every one uh, position where there's only one uh, like goalkeeper or striker we would need three Uh, for goalkeeper we'd obviously need a a Michael Agatsi type and then for um for, for striker, you'd need three different options. You'd have Akpom who can kind of play it across the floor and it, it is good in that respect. You didn't want to hold up striker and, you, and you'd want uh, another striker as well, maybe maybe kind of a, a poacher or a, a more kind of advanced forward who can, can run at the defence and get into those positions. Yeah, absolutely. You need, you need the alternatives uh, for, for this side. I think with, with Warnock, he's always wanted that fourth striker as well, hasn't he? So... I think he's always wanting to try and play two up top or play something like which might suit us a little bit more. But I think you're spot on. I think we do need uh, one or two strikers and, and variety to come in as well. Uh, but all of them can hopefully play certain like different styles as well, but also can all play the style that Warlock wants us to play. Um, but then next question as well, guys, um, is from Nick Bale. He says, which or how many positions? Uh, so it'd be quite easy for you this, Tom. Um, do you feel we need to strengthen realistically to make the playoffs next season? So another question saying next season, it's next season. So a lot of fans are writing us off uh, for the remainder of the season. Um, so I'm not saying they're writing us off, but it sounds like it. Um, but four, <laughs> four for me, which he said four for me, which are goalie, center half, center mid, and center forward. Uh, spine right down the pitch is too weak to be top six. So, whoever wants to take this one first, go for it. And then, you know, what, uh, he, Nick Bale wants four players. Um, but what positions do you think we need realistically to make the playoffs next year? I mean, given we can still make it this year if fortune goes our way. 
I'd, I'd agree with the four he's highlighted there, to be honest. I think Gawley, what I'd like to see is a permanent signing next season. Yeah. Um, so we're not relying... If, if we did get promoted, we're not having to kind of replace a goalie right before uh, the Premier League starts. Um, I'd want someone who, in goalie, was a little bit more um, authoritative uh, coming out for crosses, um, a bit better of a shot, shot stopper as well. I don't want well, to sound like I'm kind of slagging off Bettinelli, but I think there's been uh, times in the last few games where he's letting some easy goals um and that that's from from my perspective who plays football uh, plays goalie on a, a tuesday night at goals when it's open I'm, I'm looking at like going i could have saved that but i probably couldn't have, but, um yeah you'd want someone who was a bit better of a, a shot stopper i think center half because we missed ill fry when when he is injured we'd want another quality center half who is a centre half and hasn't just been kind of put into that role. Um, yeah, like uh, like McNair and Dyke still have. Centre mid, um, I think like like you mentioned earlier, Savile, Morsi, and House are all kind of very similar in in that role. Um, so you, you'd want someone a little bit better at uh, kind of linking up midfield and attack. And striker, as as I just mentioned, I'd, I'd probably want two options for that one who can win headers. Um, I think one one guy I uh, forgot to mention when we were talking about potential signings was Warnock was in for Kiefer Moore um, at, at the start of the season allegedly. So um, probably that that type of player and like I say more more of kind of a advanced forward who can can run at defence and uh, get into the right positions to score. Mm. Dana, I would, would say yeah, I would say goalkeeper centre half. Um, an alternative to Tav, uh, I'd say a pacey striker or and or actually a target man, and then wingers as well. I think we need wingers. We've obviously got Nathaniel Mendes on a short term contract, Balassi's on loan, um, Cabano's on loan. Whether it's making those deals permanent or bringing someone else in, there's some there's some good talents in League One. Charlie Kirk is is one that I would like us to sign. Left winger for Crew, six goals for them this season. Um, I think he had the most assists. Um, in League Two, when they went up, appreciate that's a different level. But, you know, some good players in League One from good football insides like Crew that I think can um, gain their chance and probably deserve their chance in the Championship. So maybe look towards players like that. But I think we have to address the wide areas. Um, we need players on permanent deals in the wide areas. And I, I completely agree with Tom about the goalkeeping situation. Whether or not Bettinelli will stay here next season permanently, I'm not so sure. But whether it's him or somebody else, I think we need to bring somebody in permanently. And, and yeah, centre-half, playmaker type like Tav, um, Pacey striker and or a target man, and then wingers. Interesting. So a full overhaul from the pair of you. Uh, <laughs> Steve Gibson, get your check. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting one. I think, we, I think we do need to improve next season. There's a lot of loan players and there's going to there's gonna be a big transitional season, I think, for, for Borough. You know what I mean? We're going to be losing a lot of, of high earners as well. It's a big re, it's a big reset next year. Um, but next question, Dennis, from Marty. And he says, after 15 years drifting along watching unattractive football, and 31 seasons since a player scored 20 league goals. Is it time for a change of approach or and or or senior, senior leadership at the club? Um, so bit of a, a bit of a big one. That I think uh, I think we have played some attractive football over the over the years. You know, I think I really I really enjoy possession football. So I mean, I, I obviously love the current years because we used to dominate the ball and. You know, when we used to create chances and find angles, I quite personally, I enjoyed it. Some fans absolutely love counter-attack of football and some love gem press. But anyway, um, yeah, so 15 years, drifting along watching unattractive football, and 31 years since a player scored 20 league goals in the campaign. Is it time for a change of approach or senior leadership at the club? Senior leadership is in the chairman. At the club, yeah. Well, I mean, senior leadership is CEO, head of recruitment. All right, yeah. Um... Chairman, if you want to go chairman. Chairman, absolutely not. No, I think with the the uncertainty of this current climate, I think we need Steve Gibson. We know what he does. He pumps money in the club all the time um, from his own back pocket. So, yeah, Steve Gibson, absolutely do not get rid of him. Um, I mean, I mean, 
just get rid of himself. But no, um, not not the chairman. Um, I think the transfer team. I think we're long over overdue a, a talk about the transfer team because we did criticise them a lot, um, and I think we sort of owe them a little bit of an apology of some sort because the likes of Bowler, Dykesteel, even McNair, you know, we, we wrote them off at times um, in the past and, you know, they've been three really good players for us this season, McNair last season as well. So, you know, there's, there's players that they've brought in that we didn't give time. So there was a bit of patience that I think we we needed with the, with those players. So I, I don't think the transfer team is, is awful. It's hard to trust them, mind. It's hard to just let them do their thing without getting annoyed. Um, but I think we're long overdue a, a, a talk about them. I think we we do need to cut them some slack a little bit um, from what we've we've discussed on the podcast before. But a change of, of, of approach. I mean, I'd, I'd I'd be interested to see Borough be an, a, a team that puts attacking first rather than defending. Um, it might go Pete Tong, and I might be mourning about it um, if that ever happens. But like I said before, we do tend to go defensive first, and I, and I get it because, you know, you need to have that springboard of of building blocks essentially, and and making a, a defensive minded team that are solid at the back, um, is a good base to build on. But I would like to see us, like I mentioned before, take risks. You know, get midfield runners. When um, Bristol City came to the Riverside last season, they had three or four midfield runners that absolutely tore us apart. And I would love to see us be positive, get into the box, um, take risks and, and a change of approach in that sense. Um, whether or not that will happen, I don't know. You know, we have been a defensive side for a while. Um, but I, I would like to see, I would like to see it. I think it would be interesting to see senior leadership. Listen, I, I don't know. We've we've spoke about this before. I'm just an outsider looking in. I don't know the ins and outs of the club. Um I got it wrong about the transfer team. We all want someone to blame, but um, <laughs> probably unfair to blame the transfer team. I don't know, to be honest, about change of leadership. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I probably can't answer that one. Tom, could you answer it, maybe? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see us kind of have a similar model to what Brentford have, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of clubs would, would say that's... I think I think Norwich are probably a good example of it as well. They've got a director of football, um, and, and they have kind of a, a clear approach to a clear long-term approach as well. I remember reading something about Norwich where they've planned both, you know, five, ten seasons in advance, and they're going to be like a, a sustainable club and kind of in the uh, the top twenty-six of of England, I think. Um, so I'd like to say that if we don't already have it, uh, like Dana said, we don't know what goes on beyond closed doors and we're just outsiders looking in. Um, but I'd kind of like to, to see that in kind of a, a clear direction of, of where we're going, what type of team we're going to be, transfers made in support of that kind of long-term vision rather than chopping and changing managers every few seasons, bringing in players for, for different managers who aren't going to kind of be in the next manager's plans uh, so much. Um, so I think I think that's that's it for me. If, if it's not already there, that's the the type of approach I'd like to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was watching um, football tonight on BT Sport and Steve Sidwell was chatting about, about Brighton and he's, he's a coach there. Um, and it, it's what's really interesting for me is how a club is now set up for, for them. Uh, every every player is is given like a, a specific uh, training manual, and it's passed up across the coaches. But then also the way they want to play at Brighton or they want to play at Norwich as well, and then Brentford too is that they have an identity, regardless of who the manager is, um, whoever the manager is. They want to have an identity as a football club, and they want to play a specific style that is representative of the town or wherever they want to play. Um, if whether that's possession style. Uh, whether it's counter-attack football, whatever it is, they have a clear identity for it. Um, and Steve said, well, well Jay Comfrey said to Steve, so well, he was like, but look, so what happens if, uh, if, if, Graham, if if Potter turns around and says, right, I want to take this club in a different direction? He practically said, well, he turned around and went, well, Potter would not be the manager. It's simple as that. Um, we have a specific style and that's how you breed these players to come through. You know, it's like every youth player will have a certain style of playing a, a specific way. Um, when a new manager comes in, he doesn't have to overhaul a side uh, every couple of 
months or every three or four months because every single player is stuck to that similar style. Um, it's a long-term project, and we've always said we wanted it. I'm very keen on it. Um, I personally want Borat to have an identity of just playing a specific style. And if it is defensive, counter-attack, then that's absolutely fine. Uh, but as long as every single player knows that, and we have the ability and the identity to prove that as well. Um, and it would probably save Gibson a hell of a lot of money in the long run as well. In, in the long run as well. So I think, it's interesting. I think Barnsley so it's, are... It's interesting, like, Go on. I was just, I'm just saying it's interesting with, with the way the game's going now. I think that the, the quick fire manager, if he doesn't get results, he's gone. I think that's slowly starting to wean back out again. We're going back to that cycle of my, every manager has time in that three or four or five seasons. I think we might see a return of that. Not to an extent of Fergie and, and, and Wenger, but I still think we're going to start seeing that, that three, four, five-year plans in similar styles and the way it develops as football develops. I think that's where we're going to probably go. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think Barnsley are a good example of sticking with the type of, of football, the style of play, and no matter what the manager is, going forward with that and building from that because they had it under Stendhal, they had it under Struber, and they, now they have it under Ishmael. So like, I think they're a good example of that. And and I, I completely get your point there and I agree with what both of you were saying. You know, I want a, a long-term identity as well and a long-term plan. And I mentioned last season, you know, we, we don't want to go ahead with another manager and then rip that plan up with, you know, instantly when it's not working. Yes, um, yesterday, last season it was um, necessary because we genuinely looked like we were going down to League One, which is absolutely not something that Borough... Um, can can afford to do so yeah a long-term plan is is something that I think every fan would want an, an identity a style of play a golden thread essentially that we didn't get that we were supposed to get that we didn't so to put it in simple terms just actually have a golden thread throughout the the club um from manager to manager just that longevity, I guess, of, of like you said, their system, um, put it in place, so no matter who's in charge, just move forward with it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, let's let's move on and let's look ahead to Huddersfield. Um, Carlos Carbajon, he's not doing very well at the minute. Huddersfield seem to bang out of form and they've got beat 3-2 yesterday against Wickham at home. Guys, I'll pass the mic over to you. Let's break down Huddersfield. I've got a bit of form to to go over first. Uh, Huddersfield haven't won in eight, um, so nearly as bad as us for for that. Um, they lost three two to Wickham yesterday after being two 0 up at half time, uh, letting me down for hundred and thirty seven quid in the process. So I'm really not Fantastic. happy with that. Um, <laughs> I, I think now that I've said that and about the form as well, I think all they're missing is a, a striker who hasn't scored since two thousand and three, and he'll he'll bang in a couple of against us, and it'll be a typical <laughs> Borough performance. Um, but before that, one all draw against Luton away, one all draw against Stoke at home. Uh, they've lost two one away at Bristol City, uh, and one nil uh, at home to Millwall in the last five games. Uh, so it hasn't been going great for them really. Yeah, they are probably the most confusing team in the championship because, I mean, like you said there, they lost 3-2 against Wickham, which is quite some feat, especially being 2-0 up at half-time. And they have some very strange players like Fraser Campbell up front. Um, They've got Jonathan Hogg, who, whenever I hear Jonathan Hogg, I just remember that um, commentary line of that game against um, the Watford-Leicester game, the Deeney goal. Um, And then they've got Richard Keogh out of nowhere, um, so you know they've got oh, some, yeah. yeah, they've got some confusing parts of their team, but they're they're bang out of form. They're bottom of the form table, um, no winning in eight, like um, Tom said. Um, only Wickham have picked up less points on the road than their ten, and they've got the second worst defense in the league with forty two goals conceded. They're they're struggling, and a lot of their fans are blaming the transition of ownership between. Um, Dean Hoyle and, and Phil Hodgkinson and, and we've been there last season Huddersfield were there themselves actually where you're down at the bottom of the yeah. table and you you just want somebody to blame and often when you are in that predicament and especially back to back seasons as well you do look for a senior figure to blame and I just don't think that transition of ownership has, has really worked for them and I wouldn't be surprised actually to see them in League One in the next couple of seasons but um, one Huddersfield fan said lifeless and pathetic I can't watch anymore of course we all know that 
when fans say that they watch the very next game. We've done that ourselves. But in terms of their style of play, they typically play with a 4-3-3, but they did opt with a, a 4-2-3-1 last game. Um, the fake Janino played behind uh, Fraser Campbell. Um, how he's not 50, I don't know. There's another confusing part of, of the Huddersfield team. And um, obviously they, they, they lost to Wick in their last game. But looking at their play and the, the parts of their play picking it apart, they are very reliant on their left-hand side. Um, 43% of their play comes down that channel. And they're the most left-heavy side uh, in the championship when I was having a look at the averages. Um, and looking at their shot positions, they do tend to take shots from outside the box. So it makes up 40% of um, of their total shots. So I don't know whether that's just a case of they're struggling to get in the box and they're just being limited to pot shots from outside the box or whether they're long shot merchants. We'll soon see. But um, I'd say... For star player, uh, Josh Corrimer, who I'd actually like Borough to sign. He's sort of that Tav type. Um, he scored against us, I believe, the the, for the reverse fixture. Um, you know, he's a, a, an attacking midfielder. He's actually injured. So it's good that their star player is out injured. But six goals in this season. Um, like I said, one against us, of course. Um, their top scorer, good player. I think um, they're, they're really missing him at the moment from the general consensus. So... Um, one took out for after he's back from injuries because, you know, looking at players that we could potentially bring in, I think he could be one that, that jumps ship, um, particularly if Huddersfield continue to have this slump. Um, he will be one picked off, him and probably Harry Toffolo as well, who's also a very good player who's out injured. So uh, or I think he I think he might be either suspended or injured, but I'd, I'm going to have to double check whether he's actually available for the game. Um, but he's a fantastic player as well, so... You know, they've they've got some good players, but I mean Richard Keogh, man, where did he come from? He went he went to MK Dons, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Who I believe are doing well under Russell Martin in League One. And then he's back in the championship. It was just a strange deal and yeah, very confused by Huddersfield, I must admit. It's a funny old game and they're not I mean, not being very up there. They have they've been very inconsistent this year, Huddersfield, to say the least. Um you know, but just in terms of in terms of Borough, um, just before we, we go into predictions, uh, Tom, uh, Paddy McNair, he's arguably been Borough's best player this year, and um, we've mentioned him quite a lot in the in the last few games. But do you think that it, do you think uh, the game against Huddersfield is a game that maybe we should look to rest him, just given the amount of games he's played? If we can afford to, yeah, I think um, it was against Brentford last week when, when he had that slip and then Warnock said afterwards, he'd said to McNair, don't worry about it, that was the first mistake you've, you've made all season. I think we've identified some kind of uh, lethargy uh, in the uh, in the defence uh, of, of the last few games and if Grant Hall's fit enough to, to play 90 minutes, um, definitely give, give him a rest because I think he's probably played as many games as he has because we didn't have any cover in, in defence. Grant Hall's been out for, for a lot of the season. So if, if we're at that point now where we can afford to do that, um, definitely do it. Absolutely. Let's let's chat to about predictions and guys. How are we feeling for the game against Huddersfield? Win, lose, draw? Get well, pulled off? I mean, it's not going to be a great game. Two incredibly out-of-form teams. Um, if we can't beat Huddersfield in the current form then I think we don't really deserve playoffs but I th- I'm looking at the quality of both teams I think we've got better players than them um, it's just whether those players turn up and I, I think we, we've got enough in there to, to do a job on them so I'm going to say 2-0 Borough 2-0 Borough for Dana Tom how are you feeling? Well I said 2-1 Borough last week against Derby um, figuring that we'd play the same as we did against Brentford and then we reverted a hoofball in the first half. So I'm going to go for a really scrappy 1-0 win and hope the opposite of what I say happens again. No, no, the opposite is uh, as in plain style. Should have made that a bit clearer there. But... <laughs> I say, yeah. I wanna, <laughs> if, if I'd say scrappy 1-0, then we'll probably end up playing like we did against Brentford and create loads of chances and win about 4-0, but... <laughs> win 8-0 win, win um, I'm going to go it's a horrible game this horrible um, I don't think it's going to be one for the one for the one for the the purists I think it's going to be one for the purists I think it's not uh, not going to be fun to watch I don't think um, oh god 2-1 maybe 2-1 to the Borough I think uh, hopefully I'll we score that. at home we haven't scored at home in 
I've scored at home in ages. Um, mm. So, I mean, like a Borough player hasn't scored. Like, obviously, we scored in front of the week, didn't we? But, yeah, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a difficult one, I think. Uh, not going to be great, but I think that's it, guys. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, as always. And thank you to the listener, as well, for listening to the podcast, too. Really appreciate uh, you listening, or if you're watching us on YouTube, too. Uh, thanks for watching, as well. But that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, Borough lose out to Wayne Rooney's derby, can't we? And the horrible run of form continues. The season starts next week, eh? This has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all your match day chatter in a pod. Hope the Borough Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 